Well, that was uh, that Jesus Walks song. If you ever heard of Kanye's West song, Jesus Walks, Jesus Walks, or whatever. Uh, and you want to feel old? That song was released uh, 20 years ago. That is not modern. It is an oldie, as my daughter says. If that comes on, she's like, oh, Dad, it's oldies. I'm like, mm, I think that's fresh, but whatever, you know. So enough of that. Let's check out Jesus' first miracle involving walk. It comes from Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water and he came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, God, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, he says, why'd you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat and the wind died. Then those who were in the boat, they worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I love imagining what this sequence looked like uh, in their reality, what it, what it was really like, because Sometimes when I read the Bible, it feels a little bit like a story or like a, like a cartoon or something that's not real. But this was these people's lived experience. This is a historical reality that happened. And I sort of try to think about it, what was going on. So they're rowing a boat and Jesus isn't with them. They've been rowing all evening. In another gospel, it says there's this, it's almost like a storm. These winds are blowing, keeping them from going the place that they want to go, even as they row. Now, even nowadays on the Sea of Galilee, the winds can blow up to 90 or 100 miles an hour in, in a windstorm now. And so they were experiencing one of these. So they're trying to row against the wind. The wind is trying to push them back and it's getting all crazy in their boat. And, and then Jesus comes strolling along, but he does it at the scariest possible time. Like, right, it says, the Bible says he comes right before dawn. So it's like still dark and like, you know, scary and they're on the water. And then all of a sudden there's a, a figure walking along. That's not cool. I don't like scary stuff. I don't watch scary movies. I get scared like pretty easy. I like to sleep. I don't want to have nightmares. And I imagine you're rowing your heart out and you look up and there's like a guy walking on the like, and they're like, of course it's a ghost, which is bad in itself, right? And they're like, oh, crap, there's a ghost on the water. Now we're dead, right? Isn't that the ghost of death probably or something? But no, uh, they cry out to them. They're like, oh, it's a ghost. And, and Jesus says, oh, don't worry, it's me. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, well, we left Jesus on the shore, and now he's walking, and I thought it was a ghost, but now he's saying it's him. I'm going to be like, oh, what the heck? Terrified. But what does Peter say? Something I would never say. He said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat and go to you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Lord, if that's you, come safely here and be nice. That's what I'm talking. I'm, I'm not trying to. Why would you say, tell me to get out of the boat in the middle of a storm He's walking on the water, but Peter's Peter. So, and Jesus said, come. And Peter jumps down off the boat, and he experiences a miracle where he too gets to walk on water. And so I sort of think about this, and, 
And uh, I, I think there are th- like three things that are super crazy about this situation. The first is that Jesus walks on water. Now, we've heard this a bunch. So it's sort of become like an idiom in English, right? Like, oh, man, you think that guy walks on water. You think he's perfect, right? And so it's sort of fallen by the wayside of like how bizarre this would be. But the first crazy is that Jesus is literally walking on water in the middle of a storm. Like they were rowing to where they were going. He was just going to walk over to there. He's just taking a stroll and he's going to get to the same place when they were going to get there. But he happened to see him in their boat. That's pretty crazy. But then I think like, well, Jesus is God, so it's not that crazy, right? Because he's God. The second crazy thing, though, is like Peter's, he's not God. And Jesus tells him to get on the boat and he gets to walk on the water. And I think that's pretty crazy. Here's just a regular dude. He's not magical or mystical or special. He's just a kind of a punk if you read him in the Bible, uh, kind of a hothead, kind of a jerk. And uh, he gets to walk on water. So I thought, that's pretty crazy. That's kind of bananas, you know? And then the third, and it's way less famous than those first two, thing that I think is really crazy is when Jesus gets in the boat, the, another gospel says that he says, be still to the winds, and they stop. He just talks to the weather, and he's like, hey, stop that and it gets calm. And I think that one's super crazy, that, that Jesus can stop the winds and stop the storm the moment that he gets on board. I, I love that sequence, because I, I can imagine Jesus walking, and they're like, oh, he's walking on water. And then Peter gets out, and his friends are like, oh, my gosh, he's on the water. And then Jesus gets on the boat, and he goes, wind, stop. And they're like, oh, 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 this guy, is, he's different. Like, he's God. And that's when they... They fall down and they worship him in the middle of this boat, in the middle of this lake. Their pitch changes when they're like, ah, and he can command weather. That's crazy. So what does it show about Jesus? It shows that Jesus has power over nature. Now he's going to use his miracles all throughout the Gospels, and we're going to see him over the next five weeks. And he's going to demonstrate different things. Because one of his goals is to prove that he is God, to demonstrate that he's God. Because anyone can claim to be God, the difficulty is proving it. And he proves it by his miracles. And this is the the first one that we're highlighting, that he has power over nature. He can tell the wind to be quiet. He can defy physics. He can walk on water. A miracle is an intervention by God in what would be a normal progression of something or some uh, situation or occasion. Now, some people have wrongly thought that the existence of miracles would somehow negate science. But that's simply not true. God and science, they're not opposites, but rather they're complements. Because even we can, we can break natural laws of physics. Did you know that you can break the natural laws of physics? Look, gravity is a true, real force. But just because I intervene with gravity doesn't make gravity false. So, for example, if I drop this pen, its natural flow is to fall down. But what can I do? I can circumvent the natural laws of gravity by intervening and catching it. Now look what it's doing. Whoa! It's defying gravity. I've broken science. Gravity's no longer real. Of course gravity's real. But what? Something outside of gravity has intervened in natural law and had it do something else. That's exactly what we see here in our passage today. The power of Jesus to intervene in natural circumstances and change them. He interferes with the normal progression of physics, like you can't walk on water. But he does it just for a short time. He uh, interrupts the normal uh, workings of a storm by telling it to stop. 
Here's an entity that's outside of our reality, reaching into the reality to change that reality. We can, I can do it with the pen, and God can do it in our circumstances. Tied to this is our reception of the miracle. Like if you look at, if you remember what happened to Peter, Peter was okay while he was walking in faith. He said, I'll step out, and he said, I believe, I'm going to step out. He starts walking, and then, he, then doubt came in. He saw winds, and he started worried, and he started to get doubtful. And then uh, as his doubt came and his faith failed, the miracle dissipated. The miracle failed. Now, we see a similar idea when, when Jesus goes to his hometown. So Jesus is doing miracles all over the land. And then when he gets to his hometown, he's, he's able to do very few miracles. And the Bible doesn't tell us why a lot, but this time it tells us why. It says because of the lack of faith, because the people in his own hometown, they didn't actually believe he's God. They didn't actually believe he could do miracles. They're like, that's the carpenter's kid. We know his dad. We saw him grow up. I changed his diaper, I'm sure a lady said in the church, you know. And they didn't believe, and so their lack of faith seemed to have blocked the miracle that could have been available to them. And so I think of it like this way, and I've been trying to think about this. And so here's a, it's going to be a really muddy thought. Look, it isn't our faith that causes miracles, because otherwise then I'm the author of the miracle, right? If I could just have enough faith, then the miracle will happen. That, that isn't true. And that's a, a false teaching and, and something that shouldn't be allowed in the church. My father, he, he walked away from Christianity. When my, my little brother got cancer, someone in the church told him that if you just had enough faith, your son will be healed. And, my son, and his son, my brother, died of, of childhood cancer when he was three years old. My dad got really mad at the church saying, oh, you, I didn't have enough faith, and so that, that's why my, my kid died? That's what you're going to say? And I don't, I, don't think that that's what it, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that I can have enough faith and cause a miracle because then I would be the author of the miracle. Rather, God's the cause of the miracle. And I don't know why he does it. And I don't know why he answers some prayers and not others. And I quite honestly don't know God's mind in terms of when he intervenes in the natural world. When does he heal people? When does he cause the people to get sight or be healed from cancers? I don't know that. But I do seem to see that in Scripture, we could absolutely prevent a miracle by being unwilling to listen to God. It seems that in Jesus's hometown. It seems that here in Peter as he loses faith. And so it isn't our faith that causes miracles because I'm then in control, but it does seem my lack of faith could prevent a miracle. And so when I approach God, I always approach him this way. I always say, God, I absolutely believe you can do a miracle. I absolutely believe you have the power to. I don't know if you're going to but I am going to have faith that you can. And that, that's the best that I can do as I navigate it because I don't know when miracles come and I, I don't know, maybe you prayed for one and you didn't get it. Maybe you prayed for 10 and you didn't get it and you sort of rejected God, but, but just because we pray, it doesn't mean it happens. And that's one of the, the mysteries that, that I can't answer. And, and I've spent my life studying the Bible and I don't know the answer to that one. But I think Jesus does have the power to even change the physics of the world. It's his, it's his, it is his right as God to do so, and it's within the scope of his power. And I'd like us to notice the reaction of the disciples as they experience the miracle. What do they do at the end of it? They worship him. 
which he receives because that's true and he's worthy of worship because he's God. His miracle pointed these people to a greater reality. His miracle caused them to stop being obsessed with the things that they were going through and turn their mind rather to God and worship him. A miracle is cool. It's amazing even. But unless it points us to God and reveals something about him, then it's meaningless. His demonstration of power led them to conclude that he was in fact God and that he had the power of God and that he was worthy of the worship of God. Jesus never went around randomly showing off. He didn't stop every wind. He didn't heal every disease. It wasn't all persons on earth immediately got cured from all their sicknesses and ailments. That isn't what happened. He used miracles to verify his verbal claims. He used miracles to, to verify he was who he says he was and he could do the things he could say he would do. We'll see this explicitly in our next passage. Because it's one thing to claim to be God, like I said earlier, but a whole other thing to prove it. Check out this next miracle involving walk. Here's the miracle in Mark 2. A few days later, now not from our passage, but from chapter 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, like, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his, in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The guy got up, takes his mat, walked out in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone. And then they praised God and they were saying, like, we've never seen anything like this. They're shouting out and that kind of thing. So there's a, a few thoughts here. If I'm a young person, the, the thought that I see here as a young person is like, how dedicated were this guy's friends to him? Man, they were so down for him. They were carrying him around on a mat. They were carrying him to the healer. They couldn't get to the healer. They went on the top. They dug out a roof. They dropped this guy down. Man, that's some really dedicated friends. That's some really cool friends. You know, they were, they were desperate. They were committed but they actually believed that it was at least possible. Maybe they didn't know it was going to happen, but they, they, they at least thought it was possible. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through all that trouble. As a young person, that's what I think. And that's what I'd be thinking. Those friends are so cool. You know, as an old person, what I think? I think, why would those punks destroy my house? I would be so pissed that someone dug out my roof and they dropped somebody down through Who's going to repair that? I'm going to probably have to. Those kids who dropped their friend down, they're not going to fix my roof. Who's going to fix my room? I'm going to be here three days later trying to remud that thing. Trying to, I got to get new branches. I got to get new leaves. I got to get the whole works. I'll be so mad. Who's going to pay for that? It's like, leave the lights on. You know, that would be me. That's what I'd be worried about. And like, I'm thinking about like, look at all that dust that fell on all the people below. Like, oh, what's wrong with you? Ooh, stupid kids, right? They're looking for a miracle though. And I'm, I'm being all salty as the old guy. 
So uh, that's what I see going on here. And then they let this guy down, and then Jesus says this first line. And, and the, the first line that he says to those folks, the guy wanting to get healed and his friends who are like letting him down in faith and like hoping this is true, what does he say to the guy? He says, son, like, yeah, your sins are forgiven. They're like, bro, that's not why we came. The guy can't walk. Are you retarded? Like, why you can't see? Like, he's got a problem. Sins is not his problem. His problem is can't walk, Jesus. That's why we lowered him down and stuff. But she's like, son, your sins are forgiven. What a letdown. Those friends did not come for that, right? That is not the miracle they were praying for. That is not the miracle they were hoping for. They wanted, his, they wanted him to be able to walk, to go play soccer. They're tired of carrying him around a mat. They've been friends with him since like third grade. They've been carrying him for 15 years around on this stupid mat. I want him to be able to walk so he can walk on his own. I have to carry him around. What a letdown. He wants to walk, but Jesus forgives his sin. And did you catch the reaction of the haters? They said, who can forgive sins but only God? Only God can forgive sins. Now, those haters are absolutely, totally correct. They are right. And they should be offended if, if Jesus is just a man. Only God can forgive sins. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am God. And to demonstrate it, I'll show you a secondary miracle by healing the guy's leg. They were right. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus does this wild, like totally in-your-face Pharisee thing. He tells the guy to get up, walk out of here in full view of everyone. And then the, the people go like crowd wild. They're like, oh, you know, I don't know what they did, but they got all excited. Exclaimed, oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. Who is this? What's going on? They were amazed at what was happening. So that's the miracle. What does it show about Jesus? First and foremost, it shows that Jesus has the power to forgive sin. He demonstrated his unseen miracle, forgiveness, with confirmation of a seen miracle, walking out. Let me say that again. He demonstrated the unseen, primary miracle of forgiveness, with confirmation of a seen or visible miracle walking out of the building. This also shows us that Jesus is primarily concerned about our biggest problem, our spiritual crippledness. It shows what's really important is to walk in forgiveness, to rightly walk with God, to overcome our spiritual lameness, that's the primary, most important miracle and the thing that Jesus does first because that is his mission. That's the real miracle. And sometimes Jesus heals the less important thing. Sometimes he brings a miracle to the secondary issue. In this case, the guy's inability to walk. Now, I think it's worth noting that often we bring Jesus the issue that we think is important. We bring to Jesus the issue that we want a miracle for, that we think is primary. You know, I don't ask for a lot of miracles, but I do it on the big days, right? When my, my uh, friend gets cancer and they're sick in the hospital, that's when I come to God with a miracle. I usually don't ask God for the miracle of four extra miles on my gas mileage, you know, something like that. I don't ask him for a miracle for, you know, uh, the right answers on, on uh, a quiz or two. 
But I'll wait for the big thing, for the final, for a miracle that I didn't study for. You, you pray for the, the big kind of stuff. And, and uh, I think it's important to notice that we bring Jesus our desires for a miracle that we think is important. But oftentimes, what is really actually important is something different. So maybe you prayed for a miracle that God would change your wife's attitude because you've been having a really hard time. When in reality, you need a spiritual change. When in reality, it's you that needs a heart difference. Or maybe you went to the doctor and you discovered that you had a heart condition and, and you're in a lot of trouble, so, so you ask God to heal it, bring a miracle. Yet God knows the real problem is your heart's condition spiritually. If I find myself in the miracle of forgiveness, then the rest of my self-perceived needs fall to the wayside. They're put in their proper place as wants, not needs. I really want my friend to be healed from cancer. What my friend really needs is God's forgiveness. I really want my marriage to get better. But what I really need is God to heal me so I could be a better partner. And so Jesus always, always makes available the, the real miracle, the miracle of healing. The miracle of forgiveness is ubiquitous. It's available to all at all times. Secondary miracles, they seem to come and go. They're not as common. They're unpredictable. But the miracle of forgiveness is always available, always predictable. And each person need only reach out in faith and receive God's miraculous forgiveness. Not just for the one time when you asked him to get saved, but again daily to truly be able to walk with God. And that's the real miracle, to walk with God no matter the secondary circumstances. I think it's appropriate that at the revealing of both miracles, Jesus is worshipped by the people who witnessed them. Now, we weren't present for the miracles that we were reading about and listening to this morning, but I trust the eyewitnesses. And so I think that we too can participate in reacting to Jesus' power, his power over nature, his power over, over lameness, his ability to bring forgiveness. And we too can rejoice in that. So let's do it. Let's uh, worship together because Jesus demonstrated power to walk to truly walk first with him, and that's available, miracle available to all. But also we saw him do other powerful miracles that are worthy of worship. And so let's do that right now as we close our service because God is worthy of worship and Jesus is God. And so let us worship him together.